In business and life, relationships are everything. Welcome to the People Catalyst Podcast, where we interview top business leaders and learn how they build relationships with their teams, clients, and those that promote and refer them. Here's your host, business trainer and leader of the People Catalyst team, Carla Nelson. And welcome to the People Catalyst Podcast, my friend, Alan Fadden. Yeah, and I'm excited. We got a very different book today. Yes, you know, it's interesting. It wasn't that long I read this book. I maybe only 10 years ago or so. And it's a great book. And it's interesting because it's based off of the same um, 110 years of marketing research, the law of diffusion of innovations, which the hoodoo method is based off of. And it's interesting. This It can be applied in so many different ways. And it's really interesting um, how it's applied in this book to marketing. And so we will be talking about Crossing the Chasm by Jeffrey Moore. But for the purpose of this podcast, the title is going to be Crossing the Spasm. Because that's what happens when you get all messed up and you don't deal with some of the things that the book is missing. It's sort of like your back going out. Everything goes into spasm. <laughs> yeah. Being an entrepreneur can put you into spasm <laughs> there too. So, and of course the marketing. So this is a marketing book, right? And marketing is something that's absolutely critical. It's the lifeblood of any business. And um, this particular book, it was published initially in 91, and then it was revised in 99 and 2014. I think I was somewhere around like 2005 or so when I picked up the book the first time. And it really focuses on high-tech companies during their startup period and using the law of diffusion of innovations and how it makes a significant impact on disruptive innovation in high tech and how to get customers then to adopt, use, purchase that technology and how each of the um, innovators, early adopters, early majority, late majority and laggards, they don't even talk about laggards in the book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they never bring that up once. So it's too bad because laggard jokes are kind of fun. Um, they are kind of fun, aren't they? So yeah. what more starts off with just explaining the law of diffusion of innovations theory. And Alan, and you and I know this, so we have a whole podcast on it, uh, one of the first podcasts that we did, because we wanted to set the foundation. And Everett actually didn't even create the, well, he put his name to the model, but he, there was already, what, 15, 20 years of research and from Japan and all these different countries. and farmers originally, like uh, trying to get these late adopter farmers to uh, grow new crops and they couldn't figure out why they wouldn't do it. Then they realized that they're just people who are naturally late adopters and uh, and that category of farming had been around long enough to get a lot of Me Too people in it. Yeah, and, and it's been applied in so many different ways, right? So this book is applying it. Our method and the um, assessment is based off of it. Um, you, I can, um, um, Six Sigma, right? Lean startup, lean manufacturing. We could keep on going on and on and on. And so the law of diffusion of innovations has been applied in many different ways. But for this book, it talks about the chasm that happens between the early adopters and the early majority. And then what, and he refers to that early adopter. Um, you know, he doesn't really talk about innovators so much, Alan, in the book, but um, as you know, but he refers to them as enthusiasts, right? And then, and then the 
early majority, he refers to them as pragmatics or practical. So, and he makes the case that these early adopters, the visionaries and enthusiasts, um, have a very different set of expectations than the pragmatics, right? And that chasm then refers to shifting your marketing and adoption of your technology from those early adopters to the early majority. Yeah, that's right. And uh, a little bit more on the chasm. What, what, when, when you do get to the, uh, before you get to the chasm, you get these false uh, positives, you know, uh, you, you sell to the early adopters and, uh, and of course, innovators, 2.5% of the early adopters. I'm one of those. I'm the idiot who waited in line in, in 2007 to buy the first iPhone. I waited eight hours in line only to find out I'd paid $200 too much. And I didn't care because I'd had two extra months, uh, you know, before they lowered the price with one of the most elegant pieces of technology ever. Yeah, you know, what's funny in the book. I think I read this in the book um, is that because we've done so much on the law of diffusion of innovations, obviously, but they pay for the privilege to be first. That yep. early, early yep, thing. That's true. Pay for the privilege that's... to be first. Think about the big screen TVs that used to be fifty, forty thousand dollars that are like. <laughs> that's <expensive>. right. <laughs> that's right. Look at me. I got one of these. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, but it's all very predictable, and products will actually migrate their way through innovators. The first two point five percent, early adopters. Uh, the next thirteen point five percent, and then uh, here's what Moore says is the chasm between early adopters and early majority, who are the next 34%. The interesting thing is if you add up innovators, early adopters, and early majority, that's about 50% of the people. And it just so happens that about 50% of the people are movers and shakers in our model. Now, one of the things that we did that's different from this is we, of course, uh, talk about shakers as natural thinkers and uh, movers as natural doers. So there's another distinction, which is really important when you're going inside the company and applying it to work. Then, of course, back to uh, back to uh, Jeffrey Moore. He's got the late majority at 34%. These are the later adopters. And then laggards, I can't resist at least one, the person who wouldn't buy an electric car until the last gas station in America <laughs> would close. That's the last. I know a couple of 16%. those. <clears throat> They'll talk about it. They just won't. Don't do our, it. <laughs> our validation study, you know, we talked to a thousand people and we found pretty much the same numbers as far as uh, diffusion of innovation. So it really, really hasn't changed in over a hundred, a hundred years. And uh, so the, the chasm, of course, and this is a, just a, in terms of his book, is a place where all of a sudden with that, uh, the first 16% of the market, the innovators and early adopters, Everything's easy. It's all going beautifully. You're building new factories and you're producing stuff and selling it through the roof. And all of a sudden the bottom drops out of the market. And that's mm -hmm. because once you cross that chasm between the early adopters and early majority, in another set of words, they're, they become more practical, early majority, late majority becomes more conservative. And then the laggards, of course, are downright yeah. skeptical. And so you, it's like, it, it, that's a time to pivot. And, and we can all prepare for that, which is once we get through the early adopters, now we've got to start 
addressing objections because these are the people who are going to say, Oh, I don't want to buy that. You know, it's too much money or you haven't thought it through, or I'm a little worried about what some of the trade-offs are going to be. And mm -hmm. so uh, if you don't pivot and change your strategy, uh, you go right back down. Yeah. And that's uh, the biggest yeah. uh, area to pivot from that uh, Moore talks about in the book. And he, he also says, which I think this is unique and would be really challenging. It's easier said than done, but that you should focus on one group of customer at a time. And I think it's the dissonance between the early adopters and early majority of their expectations. We'll get in a little bit more involved in this later on in the podcast, but uh, between the early adopters and the early majority, because their expectations are so different. It's like to move from the innovators and early adopters, it's like, eh, it's a little bit of a shift, right? But then all of a sudden it's like, whoa, I want a full, you know, <laughs> how to use this. I want, everything. I want a complete solution here. And yet the, the, you know, early adopters and innovators are like, hey, I'll just give you my money and I don't care if I use it anyway. <laughs> so yeah. it's a very different, and it's a different expectation is they don't expect an entirely like finished product, right? And so he also talks about to be successful. And, you know, we're taking a long time to, review this book simply because it's it's really meaty and we can't talk about what's missing until you know some of the listeners may not have actually read the book um, so we're spending a little bit more time than we usually do uh, on most books just explaining kind of the difference uh, in regards to most marketing books and how this applies directly to technology and high tech specifically. And he talks about the bandwagon effect from that, Alan, which is building that momentum. So it's super important to understand each group, how, to, how you're going to market to each group, and then build that momentum to, it's almost like shifting gears in a car, like, eh, 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 right? Instead mm -hmm. of like, like you said, you know, dropping out and, yeah. and falling through. You better through. get that car into the shop right away. <laughs> yeah. It just like went right off the cliff into the chasm. <laughs> so, and I think that, you know, many businesses strategy, many business strategies and marketing books, uh, again, have ba been based off the law of diffusion of innovation. But to have that single mo uh, market to focus on, I think is really, really interesting that he... Uh, focuses on and he's like take it down almost like you know just dominate the market immediately um, and he also defines uh, what I talked about just a moment ago which was that whole product you know when you move in that through that chasm from the early majority or the uh, early adopters to the early majority is that they want to know how to use it how it fits with other tools uh, they want to know that it addresses an important problem right and there's a compelling reason to buy and one of the examples I think that was really good that he listed in the book was quicken everybody knows Quicken, right? Everybody, um, well, now it's QuickBooks. It's gone through a couple different names now that I think about it. So, but initially it started out, you know, for the bill paying family member who uses a PC is tired of filling out the same checks every month after month. Quicken automatically tracks all your check writing. Unlike managing your money, our system is optimized specifically for home bill paying. It's just really quick and concise and identifies the market, identifies the problem, and identifies the solution. And that's not something that the early adopters would need. They're like, woo, I can put all my finances in a computer. I mean, they're okay right, with right. playing with it. And, that. and so having that, you don't have to have it all in the beginning because obviously you're focusing on those early adopters, but understanding that that's going to come and having a strategy from the beginning 
And then the other thing I think um, what, which I thought was interesting, Alan, I'll let you comment on this, is that most tech companies, I, I don't think, would focus potentially on starting out all of your sales offline. You know, you're a technology company, so they're going to look at you know, purchasing online, downloading. Back, way back in the day, remember, we, they actually had CDs. So when this was written, right, we were probably still, gosh, maybe we weren't doing floppies. Oh, my gosh, we were doing floppies still in 91, now that I think about it. Remember those squares? Not the black yeah. floppies, but the... Yeah, the, the, the smaller ones. The hard... The, yeah. Those were the most common, right? We were just moving to CD in the computer, even though we already had DVDs um, for the TV. Yeah. And so think about, you know, having to go and, and take this and upload it into your you know, computer and the software. And how are you, you know, focusing on selling that? Um, I think it was interesting when he talked about, you know, that sales are based off relationships. So make sure that that initial target market uh, focusing on direct sales. Yeah. I mean, it's the opposite of what you think. It's like engineers, uh, high tech. Uh, it's just everything everything yells like go on, go online to do this. Now, now maybe the book was written since it was written in 1991, you know, really nobody was online except maybe uh, the government. And, yeah. There was no Google. <laughs> right. And so, and so maybe that's why, but even still the whole idea of a relationship uh, with, uh, you know, sort of like the, the sort of the stereotype of tech, they're, they're just like oil and water. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I thought that was really interesting and unique. And the last two things I just want to touch on before we get into kind of what, what, how you could put gasoline in a match on these strategies is first is make sure you have competition. I can't tell you how many pitches I've been in where somebody's pitching to raise money and they're like, who's your competition? They're like, well, we don't really have competition. Well, there's a huge problem with that. And he underlines that most people, if they're investors are just rolling their eyes going, Come on, you're not that special, right? But at the end of the day, psychologically, if you don't have someone to compare yourself to, people don't know what box to put you in. So it was interesting right. because when you start out focusing on your niche area that you're going to take down, ensure that you have competition there that you can identify. And then the last piece was that your distribution and pricing will drive your invasion of the marketplace. So you know, there's, um, I don't know, five different offerings. I think he talks about, um, enterprise offering end user, somebody running a department head engineers and small businesses that are probably going to be your five that are going to use technology. And he basically says they need different support mechanisms. Their price points completely different. The reason for purchasing is different. And I thought that was unique because a lot of times companies, especially out of the gate, they're like, you could be my client if you fog a mirror. <laughs> it's like, it doesn't work that way. And then they end up, you know, just not being successful because they're trying to be everything to everyone. I think it's really good at segmenting that. Yep. So, okay, let's chat about what's missing then. So one was obvious to me, Alan, which was he jumps, talk about a chasm. He jumps right over the team right? And, and doesn't use the law of diffusion of innovations with the team. Internal. He just focused, he just internally. Yeah. He just doesn't, I don't even know if he talked about the team once in the no. book. No. And I thought that was a huge, like what? So, and I understand it's a marketing book, but you've got to market 
to your internal team of adopting new ideas and innovations and developing them. They're the ones that are doing all the hard work to make it happen. Absolutely. And, uh, and if you don't have them in the right place at the right time doing the right thing, you will be painfully slow. Plus, uh, a lot of things may die and you might kill your best ideas. So, uh, uh, but, you know, at the time you wrote this book, no one had any conception of actually taking the law of diffusion of innovation inside the company for the team. Mm-hmm. So actually, who, who else has? That. Yeah, we've pioneered it because I I have not seen no um you know what uh, agile is about has a bit of that they're not specific as specific but at least they have a start you know what I mean a, a, somebody does a piece right right you know? but of course this uh, this existed long before that and uh, the work we've been doing inside the the companies and that's not to be bragging about it but it is it, it was remarkable how how few uh, people could even, you know, uh, you know, they used to say the Native Americans uh, couldn't see the ships out in the harbor because they had no context from which to see them. So they just, they were just like invisible to them way back. And, you know, when the Mayflower was there and everything. So uh, anyway, you'll be faster at the market once you understand uh, the law of diffusion of law of diffusion of innovation as applied internally because you get buy-in from your team and uh, give you a quick example uh, when we were called upon to work with a major packaged goods company that was uh, you know these names but we're not going to tell you and uh, we had a half a day <laughs> with them and here was the problem the there was a major major product innovation going into test market from the from their uh, main competitor. And so they wanted to do something to, they wanted to introduce like a parody product to what the other person, the other company was doing so that they could kind of muck up their test market results for the competitor. And uh, <laughs> of course the, the engineers, uh, many of whom are shakers uh, and or shaker prover combinations, they wouldn't even uh, commit to a schedule to get this project done. And so we had a half day with them in the morning and they were completely, you know, we're not going to do this. And so, well, why, why not? Well, it's, it's terrible. We're not going to do a parody product. We, we want to do one with superiority, you know, that's beneath us to do a parody product. So, uh, <laughs> it's gotta be a good idea. A good idea and my idea. It's just yeah. <laughs> a typical changer kind of a thing. And so what we did was we we taught them the model. And then it just so happens that it was this was the uh, Super Bowl was going on. And one of these, uh, the, the, the team that won, uh, won because of their defense at the last minute. They tackled somebody on the one-yard line who was the other, from the other team who was going to score on them and at the last second win the game, and then they would lose it. But they were able with the defense to tackle the person on the one-yard line, the clock ran out. And then even though the quarterback at the time was pretty much the hero of the game, we asked him, who's the hero? Is it the quarterback? Is it the offense? Or is it the defense who tackled that person on the one-yard line? Good, yeah. And all of a sudden, they got the idea that you could be a hero playing defense 
And so all these shakers, it would be the only way, you know, visual kind of a metaphor, the only way the shakers could understand something like this. And they immediately said, okay, let's do a schedule. <laughs> and so within, <laughs> within about two and a half hours, they completely shifted, went 180 degrees, completed to a schedule for doing a, a parody, a Me Too product just to play defense. Yeah, and this on, is probably a product you have on your shelf at home, which is pretty kind of right. fun, right? On the, uh, by the way, their one proviso was that, of course, once we mess up the competitor's test market, we get to come up with a superior product, correct? And they said, oh, sure, you could do that. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, That's always so fun. And, and they're going back and forth and back and forth. But by using the process in less than half a day, you get everybody to sit in the right space doing that right thing at the right time. And it's the same way you get your customer to adopt purchasing. You get your team to adopt ideas. And, yes. and, and, they, and, and you get 100% buy-in. Now you're not you know, pr uh, pushing a parked car internally, just in, and think about it. If you're asking them to use the same method internally with the team, how much better you think they're going to get it when you're using it externally, right? With your client. Yeah. So if you want to get your shakers to work on it, just make sure that you somehow find a way to present it as new, cool. You'll be the first to do it. And then boom, there's, you've got them. Yeah, I love it. I love it. And, um, you know, I, I just have to ask you the, the million dollar question here, Alan, because we get asked this all the time, or we get to ask this question all the time is, um, or, you know, ask this question to somebody else who's uh, teaching in regards to the law of diffusion of innovation, specifically, you know, with your customer, yeah. how do you know where, what they are? How do you know yeah. where they lie on the law of diffusion of innovations? There, there are so many times we've been in the back of the room at uh, some of these professional groups and they bring in a couple of consultants who are speakers and, and they're talking about change programs. And they say, well, how, how do you get a change done? And the consultants say, oh, oh, well, you just find the early adopters and you start with them. That's the law of diffusion of innovation. And so one of us will usually raise our hand in the back of the room and say, oh, how do you find the early adopters? Well, we don't know that exactly. <laughs> you, it's a little bit you find them somehow for a while. You find them somehow and you go to them first. Well, yeah. and that's why we haven't assessed. Yeah, and at the end, we'll share with you because it is going to be, we're in a beta test and it is absolutely free for you to go and check that out. We'll talk about that in a little bit. So, and you know, the other thing is that it, it identifies who you are, but then it identifies who you need to go to, right? And so it's like, first it identifies the assessment is who you are and then how you, it, it, the, the space is just like you're talking about football. Um, where are you at in relation to every? when else on your team and how do you work together in order to get things done adopt new technology uh roll out the marketing plan all of that stuff that ends up then you know uh, touching your client and of course you can't really go out and assess your customers right i mean you can understand where they where what market 
that you're focusing on, but it's, you know, it's a guess at that point. Just, yeah. just like, you know, I mean, you're guessing you're trying to, and I think Simon Sinek mm-hmm. had it the closest is speak to what you think that they would, the why that they would exactly. gravitate towards. I mean, yeah. that's about who's going to have a different why. So what you do is you segment your market, not by finding them uh, with any method. You just put out that message that will appeal to them and then they'll come out and, and, uh, and wrap. Yeah, and that's about as close as you can get with your customers. But understanding what, what Moore says in there is understanding what group you are marketing to helps you because you definitely know that when you're marketing to the innovators and the early adopters, that's going to be very, very different when you're uh, uh, marketing to the late majority, right? It's completely different. So understanding that I think was really neat how we put to the customers, but understanding within your team is actually revolutionary. It's kicking it up a notch than just jumping over your team and moving straight to your client. Absolutely. Why is that? Because what you can do is, is get rid of all the failures that you have in a meeting with your team by understanding the fit and the sequence. So uh, how do people fit together end to end? If I have an eye, who do I hand it off to? Well, actually I hand it off to the mover. I'm a shaker, I love coming up with ideas. The mover's the one who's not gonna kill the idea. They're gonna pick the best one. And so it's always forwarding. So it's uh, what we're talking about is two basic phases. One is the beginning phase. What do you do? And that's ideation. Whether we're inventing a product, we're doing a messaging strategy, whatever. That's the beginning. And then the end is we've got to get it implemented. If it's not implemented, it goes nowhere. And so that's the uh, implementation phase. Ideation, implementation. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, um, you know, the other thing that I think is interesting uh, and kind of missing there is, you know, a part of it is how you buy your product, but what your relationship with your team and technology and how that's different. So they talk about how the relationship in each segment on the law of diffusion of innovation is different in relation to your product, but not necessarily how is your team and everyone on your team's relationship with technology different, right? And how, so it's not only using technology to produce the technology. <laughs> it's the, you see what I'm saying? It's like, you have to figure out the relationship that your internal group, because there's, you have tech companies and people that have, know nothing about technology, but they're absolutely critical in developing it. I mean, yep. so uh, I think it's, there you go, jumping over the team, that it's so critical to get to that point of having the opportunity to then market to the customer, because you know, movers, shakers, provers, and makers. And Alan, if you want to speak to that for a second, we all have different relationships with technology. Yeah. And, 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 uh, you know, we've done a lot of work helping people adopt technology, believe it or not, different people adopt technology for different reasons and at different times. So just, I'll give you a quick overview. The shaker, if you've got technology, you know, I'm one of those. I've, I've got probably uh, 150 apps in my phone because I just love to download apps. Oh, that's new. I'll use it sometime. 
and I'm paying. For it. <laughs> I can attest to that. You're the yeah. person who has 60,000 unread emails. I've got 21 yes. right now. It got up to like 68 yesterday and I started freaking out. But. Yeah, I, I, it's comforting to me to have uh, all those <laughs> thousands, thousands of friends. So uh, Shaker likes new stuff and will buy it because it's new, it's cool, and I want to have it. And that's pretty much it. And then I lose interest and I go on to the next thing that's new and cool that I want to have. So there's a, there's a piece. Now, well, the interesting part about that is that most of the ways of teaching technology are not for the shaker at all. And in fact, the mover, now they buy it and, you know, I'm talking to you, so uh, you know <laughs> that you need it, but I you know. don't want to, what, bother with the specifics, right? Oh, no, I would, about the no. Details. But we've got to fix the problem with the technology. But yeah, don't, don't, I don't need to know all the specifics. I just want to hand it off to the prover to do some due diligence on which product's the best. <laughs> yeah. And it's so, so, so now here's the prover who is probably has more patience now. You get later in diffusion of innovation and you get to the later adopters, they have more patience and they could probably more easily learn it. But that paradox about all this is that the early adopters who want the technology don't have the patience to learn it. Mm -hmm. Later adopters who have the patience to learn the technology don't really want it. So, for example, the prover will look at the technology and say, yeah, there's too much wrong with that. I just can't, you know, I don't think they've really thought this thing through. Why would we bring that in here? And then the maker who's really got the patience. This is the, you know, most of the documentation and most of the, all the education, the learning uh, of software is, is created, you know, for the maker. It's, it's uh, iterative, step-by-step. Step. You do a sample project and, and so on. And you just focus all the way through. Well, the maker's the only one who can focus. But the maker especially doesn't want that new technology in there because it's going to upset everything. Mm -hmm. So it, so you're dealing with paradoxes all the way through this. The people who love the new stuff, they don't want to learn it. The people who are willing to learn it don't want the new stuff. Good luck. Yeah, exactly. So and and so the the point that we're making there is understanding your team and their relationship with technology helps you help them adopt the technology, have them do the parts of the work that they're going to be best at so that that you can develop whatever it is that the product is right and 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 also just not chuck it at them because you know when you think about technology alan and i, I never thought about this before every one of the core natures of work have such a different relationship with it that's why all those billions i can't remember the study that we did um a podcast on it was like how many billions oh, and billions oh, of dollars it was 30 billion dollars is of, wasted of like wasted simply by un uh unadopted technology yeah it Somebody just sits there. A big chunk of technology and no, then I mean, hardly anybody in the company uses it because it's critical to have all four core natures of work involved and at different times. And then after you move it through, you get it to a point, you get to the area where um, 
uh, our good friend Warren Buffett says, I hate innovation. Because as soon as you've got, <laughs> and there you go, law of diffusion innovations. As soon as you get to the maker, right? They're on the later adopter scale. They don't mind doing the same thing every single day. And what kind of companies does Warren Buffett like? Ones that print money. That means- Yeah, cash flow. Don't do anything yeah, too uh, yeah, revolutionary. No, don't, yeah, and we're just going to hang out it's here. Because- Exactly. And so when you think about it and you apply that, it can be applied in so many different ways. So, well, awesome podcast, awesome book. And that was a great discussion, Alan, in, in a really rich discussion. And we've gone through so many different types of books. And, and I really enjoyed the marketing uh, aspect of this since, you know, we're kind of marketers at heart. So, um, oh, yeah. And team and marketing are, are so parallel in this case, if you pay attention to the law of diffusion of innovation, and uh, and if you don't uh, if you don't pay attention to it, you know it is the law, so you get in trouble. <laughs> it is a law. It is a law. So remember, run the process with your team first, and then I can see I can see you getting pulled over by a highway cop. Uh, what you pulling me over for, officer? Yeah, violating the law of diffusion of innovation. <laughs> I'm gonna have what? to write you up. Alan, you came up with a great idea for like a training or something like that. That to say, as soon as somebody, because we do trainings and often when people are just like so in love with the way that they always do it, I mean, they can't help themselves that you've yeah. got to have people leave the room. What we usually do is have them push their chairs out. But a lot of times you can't manage it. You literally have to have only the shakers in the room or only the provers and facilitate that over and over again because they, they they can't deny who they are and it becomes absolutely obvious and it's funny when you're playing a game it's not funny when you're putting together a strategic plan or a company no. and that reminds that would, would that be funny if because we have all these words that we use like okay great idea hold that or could yeah. you imagine if we just handed out tickets <laughs> yeah. I, can, I can see bringing in the tow truck and impounding <laughs> their co conference table <laughs> there you go all right so uh, law of diffusion innovation is not just a good idea it's the law <laughs> yeah all right so remember run the process with your team first use the law of diffusion of innovation understand who is on your team and use the assessment the who do assessment to find the who and for a limited time when we're beta testing our next run of the Hoodoo assessment, it will be free. So there's a link to it on our website and in the show notes. Feel free to jump in. We'd love to have you be a part of our beta test. And uh, there's an area for feedback as well. And um, you can access the website at the people catalyst. And that is plural because we need you all, but we don't need you at the same time. Com. So awesome. Thanks so much for your time today, Alan. And until next time, farewell. Thank you for listening to the People Catalyst podcast. And remember, it's a good life.